Welcome to Rollmates, a podcast where I teach my wife and you about Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Greg. And I'm Allie. And welcome to episode seven. Episode seven. Episode seven. We're back, season two. We're back from our little break. And we have a Patreon now. We do, yeah. That was what we wanted to talk about. We have a Patreon. Um, So if you've been enjoying previous episodes, um, or if this is your first episode, you should go back and listen to the other ones. If you've been enjoying the show, um, you can go to patreon.com slash rollmatespod and support the show. And that'll help us to um, get all the resources and, you know, all the stuff that we need to keep the show going on a regular basis. Yeah, there are three tiers. Mm -hmm. If you are a Flump patron, then you have the ability to vote for um, new episodes. If you are a Mind Flayer, then you can send us questions that we can answer on the podcast. And you can vote on. And you can vote. They build on. Yeah, and if you are a beholder, then not only can you vote and ask questions, but you can also have access to secret episodes. That no one else gets to listen to. Yes, we'll do, um, we'll record one secret episode every month, and our beholders will have access to that reality. Patreon.com slash RollmatesPod. We'd appreciate it. Um, But enough of that (laughs) self-promotion. For our first episode back, I wanted to talk to you about um, something that we enjoy watching and listening to, um, particularly on a YouTube channel called Crit Crab, who has a Reddit thread where he collects Dungeons & Dragons horror stories Mm -hmm. and he reads them on his channel and some of them are just absolutely cringy and some of them are really funny so i wanted to ask you about some of these dm particularly the dm horror stories Mm. um and you know so like a a player um a player messing things up yeah a player messing things up from the dm From a DM's perspective, how do you deal mm. with those situations? How how do you diffuse those situations and make sure that everyone has a good time when you have, you know, one person, or sometimes it's more than one person, you know, messing up the game for everyone else? How do you how do you diplomatically deal with that? Um, without because I feel like a lot of people who want to be DMs. You know, you're good at storytelling, you're good at writing, you're good at all these other things. Maybe you don't feel like you're really good at, you know, diplomacy or <laughs> conflict resolution. Table management. Yeah. yeah. So what are, I want to talk about um, some examples of just how things can go totally off the rails and how DMs with that. Yeah. Um, so I, I would preface this by saying that... Um, you know, I fell into this black hole of r slash D and D horror stories, r slash RPG horror stories before uh, finding these on YouTube. Um, and there are thousands of these horror stories, but there's also millions of players. 
So these tend to be a minority, but the, and outliers. Yeah, they're outliers. They do crop up, and I mean, they're horror stories for a reason because they seem to come out of nowhere. They might have telltale signs, but they do happen. So that being said, um, a lot of these occur because we have big egos mm -hmm. that are brought to the table. Big personalities. Big personalities. Um, a lot of it is, you know, someone might think that D and they they might have the wrong expectations of what D and D is mm -hmm. for uh, Wizards of the Coast has really tried hard to emphasize that D and D is a social game. You don't win at D and D. <laughs> like there's no, you know, it's not a competition. Yeah. Against anyone else i mean maybe against the the, the uh, bad guys or whatever but like yeah you win the mm -hmm. uh, uh, an encounter you can win an encounter but the, the point is to play together as a team well and you're building a story along yeah. with the dm like everyone thinks that the dm just makes the story but no your characters are making it too so it's very similar to a book in the sense that you don't win a book you know, you you uh, like if if the you writer imagine if there was books that you could win. Yeah, if if the writer writes a book, they don't win. The audience doesn't win. I mean, yeah, the writer can make a lot of money, but that's not the point of writing a story. So these egos tend to get in the way, especially um, the one I see a lot is. The people who have main character syndrome. Yeah. Um, and these are the people who think, oh, I'm in a party with four other people, but the story is all about me. And my character has the most interesting backstory or my character has the coolest personality so it's me, me, me. Or like their their actions that they think that their actions and their decisions are what drive the story. Yes. More than making decisions. Yeah. Or it's not possible that my character can fail at anything, you know. Um, or I have to insert myself and my character's opinion in every conversation, yeah. even when it's not about me. And I feel like, well, I think a lot of these examples, but I feel like that in particular sometimes can come from that, like, that nerd syndrome of like, oh, yeah, I was picked on as a kid because I'm nerdy and I like nerdy things. And now I'm like, I ha maybe have more confidence or I'm in a situation where there's other nerds and I feel like I have to kind of compensate for that, like, insecurity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which um... is super annoying and not fun for yeah, and it's um, a lot of it is to show off or yeah. something. And then some of it leads into that guy or that girl or that player. What does that mean? <laughs> Which that's, um, so it starts, it started with that guy. Mm -hmm. And um, 
typically what it means is that this is a person who thinks they're acting cool, but it's really weird and awkward and inappropriate. So if you could think of a that guy, uh, this is the guy who hits on all the bridesmaids <laughs> at a wedding while drunk and then throws up in the pews <laughs> as the, um, you know, the officiant is uh, asking for the rings. Um, but he thinks that he's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or, you know, a uh, that girl picks up her phone and is talking as loud as she possibly can in, you know, the bathroom or the movie theater or whatever. Yeah. You know. It's totally it's not self-aware. Not self-aware. Um, just making it a bad situation for everyone. So, like, a, that guy in uh, D&D or that player um, does a number of interesting things to say the least. So one of the things that is like a reoccurring theme is there's that uh, mysterious otherworldly entity at the table known as a girl. And there's a girl at the table and uh, that guy does not know how to be around girls. And maybe he likes this girl because she's or, so pretty. Or he thinks he knows how to be. But he's yeah. And then he uh, might make his character fall in love with this, this girl's character. Mm -hmm. Or um, just might try to look cool in game because somehow that projects onto him yeah. you know like that is you don't go to D, &D to pick up chicks it's not a dating <laughs> you simulator. know just like you don't go to a job or you don't go to you know wherever to find a date it's the same thing with D&D. &D. Like, yeah, you know, sometimes you... Ca you, um, you could have a connection with somebody. Like, things yeah. happen, but, like, that's not... That shouldn't be your sole purpose or your focus. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. And then it's especially someone you don't know. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these stories happen because there's a lot of, like, online, you know, groups that get together of strangers mm -hmm. um, because they're just desperate to play D&D &D. Yeah. Um, but once I start if if I start seeing that at a table um, I would ask the well I go back to session zero mm -hmm. first and foremost which if you don't know what session zero is go listen to session zero episode which is titled mm -hmm. session zero yeah, and, and to just briefly say in session zero, you set the expectations mm -hmm. of the game. Yeah. And so one of the things that I say is there won't be any um, like love stories woven into the story unless, yuck. yeah, yuck. <laughs> Un unless a player comes to me and says, oh, hey, I think my, 
I think my character is really gravitating toward this NPC. I think there's like this connection. And, you know, some of these things just happen naturally throughout the course of the game. And, and you know, as a DM, sometimes you want to latch on to that. Mm -hmm. Or as a player, you want to latch on to that. And I'll say, you know, okay, I can make this work. It's just not going to take over the story. And then some play groups are comfortable enough having two player characters fall in love mm -hmm. or have a relationship. Um but it should be something that everyone is cool with. Yes. And everyone has confirmed like out of character that they're cool with it. Yes. So so say say you have a session zero where you're like we're not doing any romantic stuff, no romantic subplot, blah blah blah. Um and everyone has agreed to that and I don't know, you have somebody that comes in mid game like a new player or or you have someone that was there from the beginning and they just mm -hmm. you know just because you say the rules up front just because everybody sh you know we, we've all been in school and first day of school you you know go over the rules of the classroom <laughs> yeah. and people are still getting in trouble so like what do you do if somebody just forgets or disregards that conversation and they just they go for it there's a hot girl mm -hmm. at the table all of a sudden and they just go for it Right. So the what I would do is I would talk to the receiving party mm -hmm. and I would say um, like in as it's happening or you pull them aside after the session. So th that would depend on the intensity mm -hmm. of what's happening, because um, some people, you know, uh, so and so's character or player A character hits on player b mm -hmm. right um throws a little line you know a little flirtation or whatever and if player b kind of like you know shrugs that off in character mm -hmm. or you know gives the other player's character a punch on the arm or something like that and you know just indicates that their character is not interested then i will that's that's something that it's like okay they want to move on with the game, we'll move on. And then I will talk to them after the game, say, hey, I notice, you know, there is this interaction between you two. Are you cool with that? Or do you want it to just stop? Because, um, you know, it can it can escalate if someone just lets something happen. I don't want people to feel uncomfortable or that they like, have to play along with mm -hmm. and and well also it affects the rest of the group too because if the rest of the group starts seeing this as well then you might have you know if there's a friend of player a and a friend of player b then you're already taking sides or you're just making the other players uncomfortable yeah. and it, it it's like how do, how are we supposed to interact with this interaction yeah, and it's just <laughs> it just leave? goes back to, you know, people they come to D&D, &D, you know, they they've had a long day at work or school or whatever. They just want to chill. They don't want to bring in it's escapism. Yeah, they don't want to bring in drama of any kind. Yeah. You know, because that's not what it's for. And um and they have an expectation. That, yeah, we should say yeah, the expectations are everything because We've heard of games where people play and, like, to the point where, like, there was that one campaign that we, I can't remember if it was on Crit Crab or somewhere else, 
but it was like it was a thing in their party that their characters would have like an orgy before mm-hmm. a battle yeah, or yeah. something like you can if you do want it to be a dating simul- simulator or if you do want sexual content like mm-hmm. there's no rule saying you can't do that it just has to be established at the beginning yeah and you know consistently have that openness to say like hey i'm not comfortable comfortable with xyz like let's switch to something different right um and even on a um on a broader level you know um well first after talking to the receiving player i would talk to the giving player and just say hey look these were the expectations you know um is this a one-off thing because if it is cool but if not like it, it has to stop because you're making people uncomfortable yeah. well and i as the dm not only am i playing the game but i'm running the game for four five six however many other people mm-hmm. i'd rather lose one player than lose the table yeah you know or i'd rather lose the problem player than other people who've come to just have fun so like expectations are everything because you know even on a basic D mechanical level there are some players who come in expecting D to just be we go into a dungeon and we kill everything there you know, it's all about fighting. There's no role playing, no role playing in a role playing game. What do you mean? What do you mean we're sitting around talking to people? We're just here to fight, you know? So, and some DMs are like, no, I, I had a whole story yeah. and, you know, campaign and stuff. So, you know, saying the expectations is a big deal. Um, let's, let's talk about some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like what you just said as far as like setting expectations, checking in with the players, I feel like that 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 can be applied to most of these horrors. It's like mm-hmm. most of the time it's it's a matter of like referring them back to session zero. When do you I guess I'm trying to think about it from a from a like a new DM's perspective. Like some of the things that we would hear on Crit Crab, it's like this is something that you need to stop the game mm-hmm. and say, hey, what the hell? This is not okay. You need to stop or you need to leave or whatever. But then there are some things where, like you said, you can talk to them after mm-hmm. and and check in. So like, where do you draw that line as far as interrupting the whole game to like put a stop to it immediately versus letting something just go for the session and mm-hmm. then later because i feel like not everything needs you to like slam your fist on the table and be like, Get yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's um there's a great um uh saying out there and it's uh no dnd is better than bad dnd um because there are situations that make people want to quit the game yeah. because just someone is just so out there that it's like is this every D session yeah. like is this what i'm gonna encounter i don't want a part of it so and i feel like those are the really like the weird sex people like sometimes yeah, there are people so, who put their fetishes into the game mm-hmm. sometimes there are people who put their like 
violent fantasies. Like there was that one we heard on Crit Crab where it was like teenage boys and they just wanted to like find women characters mm-hmm. and like take advantage of them. And the DM was like, what the heck is happening? To lightly put it. Yeah, yeah. To, to put it in a... Well, in a, in a so that's that's one of my things personally and I, and everyone has their own um yeah limits or to me it's not think like i'm not thinking for myself like this isn't something that um is a threshold for me personally it's more for my for the other players and i think just honestly just being a decent person yeah. so like Sexual violence, I already say in my session zero, has no place in my game. And it's like, if if I have one of my friends talking about how they want to molest someone or rape someone or whatever, I'm just, no, we're not, we're not doing this. Yeah. Like, I'm not going there. I, I just, I had, like, yes, we're all building the story together. But it's the same reason why in television or movies where like most of the sexual violence that takes place is very unnecessary. And for people who are not writers, (laughs) you know, or or just don't have that self-awareness of the craft of like writing and, and that sort of thing they know even less of what comes into play there. Mm-hmm. So like sexual violence, for me, I just stopped the, the game and I, and I said, listen, I talked about this before. We're, we're not doing this. We could either call it a night mm-hmm. or do a little rewind mm-hmm. and, and go forward. Um, another cause for stopping the game is if a player typically an edgelord <laughs> which is, which is an edgelord uh coming from the 90s um pop culture is the brooding and dark and nobody understands me and i had this tragic backstory and i'm just gonna sulk in the corner and i'm a lone wolf who doesn't ha- play by the rules yeah i don't play by the rules i don't play well with others kind of character um these people they saw the lord of the rings movies and they <laughs> and they and they saw when you first introduce aragorn and aragorn's kind of sitting in the corner like watching things unfold and stuff like that and they're like oh yeah that's my character he's just you know gonna be on the be on the side watching everything happen and then you know enter when it's and and he's gonna go off and doing his own thing but and somehow he's eons more powerful than all the other characters and can like in the player's mind yeah in the player's mind and i think it's funny you use the aragorn example because yeah that's aragorn's immediate introduction like even in the book he's just this kind of everyone's like oh he's a ranger blah 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 but then Literally everything else he does after that is like hella wholesome. He's like, all oh, these baby hobbits have to protect them. And like, 
He escorts them halfway across the world. And then when Mary and Pippin get taken, he's like, nope, we are duty bound to mm-hmm. go and find them. And like everything else he does after that is for the good of the company, is like letting other people have their moment, letting other people, you know, do things. And he's like, helpful. Yeah, he's super helpful. He's helpful. He's with... very humble. Yeah. He's like, I don't really want the, the limelight or the attention. Yeah. Like, Without him, the the fellowship would have disintegrated yeah, a lot amazing. earlier, you know, with like he's made so many uh, changes for the better and not just the fellowship, but like, you know, the world, the world. He so I, is I think it's helpful. That, I think it's funny that people watch that first scene and then they they take that part of mm-hmm. his character and they don't take the rest yeah. of his character at all. And, and I typically see this with players who choose rogue. Yeah. Because they see Rogue and they say, oh, Rogues are good at stealth. Rogues are good at uh, sleight of hand and stuff like that. So they think that their Rogue needs to go off on their own, mm-hmm. pickpocketing every NPC they see for, you know, a few coppers yeah. or whatever, and backstab everyone they meet. No, the like we need to have an episode for like the classes mm-hmm. because disclaimer rogues are not just evil (laughs) chaotic people okay indiana jones is a rogue you know han solo is a rogue like harrison uh, ford harrison ford is a rogue you know (laughs) which to Um, be fair both of those characters and harrison ford are very chaotic but they're not evil um self well well but indiana jones i mean he largely is lawful like he he will it's it's the it's the like robin hood vibe where it's like yeah "Yeah, i'm gonna be chaotic but it's it's i have a heart of gold it's like i'm gonna do chaotic shit i'm gonna he has a code he has a personal code i'm gonna get into trouble and steal but it's 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 for a good reason he's not doing random stuff like so um you see it from a lot of rogues and so i would stop the game if this player is demonstrating a pattern of just being unhelpful mm-hmm. and you know normally because you don't want to railroad players um but i would clarify say why are you doing this mm-hmm. do you under do you understand the consequences mm-hmm. how is this helpful to the party and then you know if it gets past that point i'm going to say why is your character traveling with these people? Number one, rest of the party. Why are your characters accepting this person in your party yeah. when he gets all of you in trouble all the time? Yeah. You know, at what point do you just tie him up and leave him in the wild? Yeah. You know? Because this is, this is most likely a game in which you are, like, traveling the wilderness or, you know, in dangerous situations. You can't mm-hmm. really afford to have a reckless person. Like, it's life or death scenarios yeah. so if you're role-playing that as a reality you can't afford to have somebody who's gonna like draw attention to you unnecessarily and like yeah go off on their own and yeah. maybe set off a trap like they're a liability to whatever your goals are because you then it becomes babysitting it becomes yeah. babysitting for other members of the party to say oh look you know um Bartholomew is doing his thing again. We got to rein him in. And, you know, 
explain to the authorities that he meant no harm or this is for our mission. Yeah, and that's a like, waste of time. That sounds boring as hell. It's a waste of time, yeah, especially when the party wants to go to the next clue, the next point in the quest. The ne like, they want to forward the story, and this person thinks... Oh, you know, I'm gonna sneak around. I'm gonna do my backstab. I'm gonna get all my cool moments. And it's like there are times when the wizard needs their moment to cast her spell, or you know, the fighter needs her moment to you know slay the monster or defend the weak or whatever. Yeah. The other, it makes. With everyone having their own moments, it just makes each of them stand out even more. If the rogue is just going around sneaking and killing everyone, or or whoever's just being naughty, <laughs> then the game just becomes about that, yeah. and it's and it's just we go back annoying. To, we circle back to the main characters, right? Game. People, and then the other players are not having fun. Yeah, you know. So is that somebody that? you kick out immediately or do you try to have a conversation to be like well i feel like that would come up in session zero if they're building their mm -hmm. character for that purpose you'd probably be able to see that in their stats like oh yeah my stealth is maxed out my charisma is maxed out or whatever but you know my mm -hmm. my intelligence is like yeah. garbage well and i like to in in session zero and and even outside I like to talk to the players about their characters like you know part of it's their backstory but also what is their personality what is their outlook like how do they like to adventure like what you know just so we have an idea ahead of time of conceptually how they will play um also i um I wouldn't immediately kick them out. What I would do is give them an opportunity mm -hmm. because I feel like even with successes or failures in the game, with failures, you should give the players an opportunity to push the story forward. So for that person, I would say, hey, I notice that Bartholomew Fletcher is, you know, stealing and backstabbing and all this stuff what is really wrong with him mm -hmm. and how can he have some kind of redemption arc mm -hmm. or something because then that also gives the player a goal to strive for it gives them an end goal and it's like again you you don't railroad players and and players um, I encourage them to think ahead for their characters. What kind of character arc do you want to explore? Mm -hmm. Because that gives them and myself a goal to get their character there. Because we are telling a story and you don't just write a story not really knowing. I mean, some people do, but but not really knowing what's the end goal, like how these things like kind of wrap up or or the journey that you're going on kind of thing so it's just continuing expectations um what else is so one thing that i notice a lot is bullying mm. 
this goes back to like egos or winning mm-hmm. mentality and you know or the main character syndrome or the edge lord <laughs> who they think they're being treated unfairly mm-hmm. um and or they didn't get the spotlight that they wanted mm-hmm. or so they like target another player yeah They'll target another player. In a lot of cases, I've seen them target the DM. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll often see that with someone who has more experience mm-hmm. with the game starting to take over, and we'll get into the rules lawyer a little bit more, but they'll start to take over and they will exploit other players or the DM's knowledge uh in the rules Mm -hmm. and make up their own rules make up little loopholes for themselves or whatever which even as a dm you're not going to know all the rules you know and that's um that's an expectation that no one should have over the dm or the other players or anybody you should just you should really know the basics, mm-hmm. you know, of like combat and skill checks and that sort of thing. But the nitty gritty, um, you don't want you don't want people to just come around saying, "Oh no, fall damage <laughs> actually is one d six for every ten feet fallen with a maximum of." 10d6 so yes even though i fell a thousand feet (laughs) i'm only taking 10d6 no you are dead i'm sorry (laughs) you died yeah any sentence that begins with actually yeah i've tuned out i'm not listening to you anymore yeah so um we kind of strayed into rules lawyer so but that and which is a form of bullying like if you're going to be that much of a stickler, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, asking questions, like, asking, like, well, what's the, you know, what's the rule about that? Or what, what, mm-hmm. how does that mechanic work? Especially when you're first learning, like, you sh- I don't think you should be afraid to ask for your own understanding of, like, what does that rule mean? Or why is that like that? Or whatever. But yeah, the, if you are assuming that because, like, we've heard horror stories where it's like, oh, a player who's been, you know, an older person who's been playing since, like, the 80s or the 70s or something is playing with a new group, and they're just, like, completely taking it over and trying to, you know... It is it is a form of bullying because you're pointing out think, something about somebody that they can't really help, their mm-hmm. ignorance, relative ignorance of the rules, and, like, using it against them for benefit. Yeah, I mean, in in some cases, the rules lawyer is arguing in in service of the rest of the players. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are extreme cases of the bullying. With the rules lawyer in the former category, I would just say, like, if if they have the, the book right there and they said, oh, no, the, like, right here, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it says it. You know, um, and I'll say, oh, yeah, it, it clearly does, whatever. And it also depends um, on the attitude of the person. Because if they're like, oh, well, yeah. oh hey, Greg, I actually <laughs> saw here it says X, Y, Z. That's what the rule says. Then, 
but if they're like uh actually yeah idiot yeah <laughs> like it re- i think it really depends on yeah table know, etiquette you- is a thing just not being rude like not and you know, and it's the dm is not trying to trick mm-hmm. you like the dm is not trying to um you know pull the wool over your eyes and if you do think that they are that's probably a table you to leave yeah. rather than fighting with what the rules are it's it's if um it's also contextual and every every book will say these are not hard and fast rules like you know choose or modify the rules that is that's for what's best for your table so in the case of the falling damage if they bring if they have the book there and says oh no like this is how the falling damage work i will say your character willingly jumped off a thousand foot cliff. <laughs> you deserve to die. I'm when not. Rule yeah, I'm not. I, and I even told you, I'm like, this is a thousand feet. You're wearing plate armor. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not letting you live. Like, I'm sorry. That is something you knew because there's some degree of physics mm-hmm. that I'm taking into account that the rules they're not applying to these extreme situations. So it's, and that's where the DM is making an arbitration. So if I make an arbitration, I'm going to say, you know, I understand that in this instance, this is what my ruling is. We can talk about it after the game. Yeah. Because if not, we'll go on for 20 minutes, lose momentum, and then everyone else is bored. That's that's a good point to Mm -hmm. reemphasize, like, with those kinds of people like i like your your approach of like this is what i decided mm-hmm. we can talk about it after the game so that moving forward if it needs to change it can but we're not forever because then again it's going back to like all the other people sitting around don't want to just sit there and watch you argue back and forth yeah. like because then either that's boring for them it's uncomfortable for them or they feel like they have to take sides and then it turns into this big adversarial thing let's just Let's just keep going and. So for the rules lawyer bully or bullies in general, um, I would just speak directly to that player and say, and I'll even say, hey, let's stop. Let's take a break right now. Mm -hmm. Can I talk to you outside? Mm Mm-hmm. And I would and then you say, beat them up in the parking lot? yeah, you beat them up. No, <laughs> even though there has been violence oh, in gosh. some of these stories, but um, but I I will say, listen, um, the way you are treating so and so, or the way you're talking to me, or whatever, is not acceptable. So you can drop whatever baggage you have out here and go back inside and act correct or you can leave yeah you know which can be doing that can be really uncomfortable for some people like a lot of people who play D, i feel like have a degree of social anxiety don't like conflict you know we, we're just here mm-hmm. to play and we'd rather talk to orcs and goblins yeah. and elves than Pretend conflict real people is way more fun. <laughs> <laughs> like i would be really like you have a background in teaching so i feel like that's a conversation you've had to have with students sometimes where it's like hey mm-hmm. cut that out or you're gonna have to like 
teaching requires a certain amount of conflict resolution. Yeah, D&D is teaching. Yeah. And your players are kids. <laughs> so I don't want to deter new or burgeoning DMs. You know, if you're uncomfortable with that, um, we don't want to deter you from that. But it is it is kind of a part of the DMing experience. And we're going to have an episode about table management at some point. Yeah. Um, and that'll, that'll include conflict management as well. Um, but it, it's also, it's a life skill. Like D and D, it has a lot of life skills, and I've seen a lot of kids that I've um, played with like grow as uh, people because of D and D. And managing other people in awkward or uncomfortable situations is a big life skill. And then even standing up for yourself and standing up for other players is a big one because it can get really, really toxic. Yeah. And then and then it stops being fun for you. It stops being fun for other yeah, players. For and then what you came in with this expectation that, you know, we're going to spend X amount of weeks, X amount of months, maybe X amount of years playing um, this campaign has now completely fallen apart because yeah. you did not nip it in the bud. Yeah, that that's important to to reemphasize too. Like a lot of the stuff that a lot of the stories that we would listen to, you know, Crick Crab will read the story as they sent it in on on Reddit, and then he kind of like analyze it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I feel like nine times out of ten, it's a situation where it was like this didn't have to get as bad as it got. It didn't have to get to the point where people are screaming at each other. It didn't have to get to the point where this guy punched another guy over the table. Like. You can stop things like this early if you're paying attention and if you have those conversations and you set your expectations. Because, um, yeah, a lot of times things just sort of, you decide, okay, I'm going to overlook that or, you know, you know that wasn't that bad, whatever. Like, I don't want to make a big fuss over whatever. And then that person just kind of feels like, okay, well, this is now something I'm allowed to do. Mm -hmm. You know, like, the one, one of the ones we've been listening to freak, uh, recently, it was like, what it was two players and for some reason one player didn't like the other player like in real life mm. and so he literally structured his characters so like that they would be enemies yeah right and he was like like doing everything he can in game to make their characters be enemies and to like allow him to be able to kill the other guy mm -hmm. and like i i remember watching it and being like how is the dm letting this go yeah. on session after session after session it's so obvious and some dms you know they allow play like they're like player versus player is cool with me whatever but when it gets but, personal if it's coming from mm -hmm. a personal place then yeah. i feel like yeah if, if you want to play player versus player it should be completely it should be more of like a what do you call it like a battle royale scenario Mm -hmm. where everything every yeah, player is is equally either. pitted against every yeah. other player because it's like when you get into those individual things where it's like oh my race hates your race that yeah. that 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 gets really uncomfortable really quickly and then again it's that thing where you have two people in a conflict and all the other players are just sitting around waiting for waiting to be involved like that right, doesn't sound yeah. like fun for everyone well, and also, and this leads to um, favoritism, exclusion, and I would say in that case, um, 
directing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like uh, directing your attention against a specific person or taking away di- directing attention. So that would be like favoritism or exclusion. Um, for directing and number one if i know two people have problems with each other in real life i'm not inviting both of them to the same game yeah that doesn't, that's just dumb that sounds stupid. you know uh <laughs> that's asking for trouble that's just really dumb um favoritism uh between players again typically one player believes they're falling in love with another player or, and I mean, even, by sh- even couple like players that are in love like we've heard stories couples, about couples yeah. joining a party and then like there was that one where you had a that girl and she would be like talking to her partner out of game about all the things that she wants to do and like she started as the player like writing the story and the DM is like, wait a minute, like yeah. that's my job. You can't do that. Well, but she yeah. and her like partner, who were both playing, were like scheming together of like how they were going to backstab other characters and stuff. Yeah. And it's just like you can't. That's not what the game. There are other games that are built for being sneaky and trying to backstab. Mm-hmm. Like go play Among Us if you want to backstab other people. Well, even um, there are there in in even in the context of role playing games, um, like I played a Sith campaign for in a Star Wars RPG with my friends. But we had that expectation number 1 of the whole, you know, backstabby thing, but number 2 our characters had a shared interest in the mission and to complete that mission, but naturally by the end of the campaign, we would want our characters on top. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, with the Sith, it's like the rule of two. You, you have, if you have a player versus player game, you should have an expectation of what it is, but that also means that, you still have a goal, you still have a story that you want to complete in in things like Game of Thrones or in Star Wars with the Sith. You try to get as much of your goal completed and then at the opportune moment, like, you know, at the time of your rival's, like, victory, then you stab them in yeah. the back and claim the prize or the reward or the prestige and you know that like that's what you do so you still are working with other players yeah. to do that so um so that's uh the favoritism exclusion and directing that's your conflating player with their characters um again that's just a conversation you have to have um and as a dm if you see other players excluding other uh someone in the group then you involve those excluded people in the story more mm-hmm. some and of and talk to the person doing the excluding right yeah you could say like hey you know some like their character asks you like an important question and yeah. you just completely ignore it. Because then I feel them, like that could know? turn into this weird passive aggressive thing where it's like the DM is trying to involve you yeah. know, player A more and player B is trying to undermine that. 
And yeah. the more you try to involve them, the more they try to uninvolve. Like, people get really, really petty yeah, and stupid exactly. over really ridiculous things. Yeah. So, um, the last... The last thing I wanted to talk about was um, what I'd call the fetishists. And this is the people who um, originally I was just thinking of like, you know, sexy, sexy time. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like you have, you know, the people who um, they they want to live their fantasies out in, in D&D. But like, you know, if, for example... I know um, furries are very misconstrued in pop culture and society, Mm -hmm. um, but there are some people who want to sexualize that aspect of themselves, Mm -hmm. and this goes back to sex and D&D and how that can make people uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but also BDSM stuff and, you know, it's like stuff from the bedroom, if it is from the if it's coming from that place mm-hmm. leave it in that place yeah. unless that's your game yeah but it's like you know i'm totally cool with you playing a cat person or a dragonborn or whatever like these races are in the game yeah. because it's it's you know part of the world and it's and it's fantastical but then it's like you know if you're drawing these sexualized anime-esque whatever and that's not the expectation you're gonna make people uncomfortable and it's the same thing with if you're playing a western western themed um version of Mm DD which is classic classic medieval but even if you go to more of the asian like mysticism uh side of it and that's your atmosphere or flavor or even if you play horror like Curse of Strahd or mm-hmm. something and your character comes out and is doing anime moves <laughs> and naming their attacks and having like, you know, the anime isms and yeah. stuff. That's not the expectation. It breaks the immersion of the game. Find find a group or, you know, decide as a group if you want to play that. So but then also it's the people who want to insert their religious or political mm. beliefs into the game. Like there was one story that I read and they had it on YouTube where they did the January 6th insurrection thing, you know? And it's but, just but like dressed up as a D&D. As a thing. D&D. Like and if the DM, you know, they're they're having, you know, like they had a story already and um they're going through that story and then january 6th happened and um they literally wrote those events into the yeah game they're and like, like tried to pretend that people weren't going to notice the connection yeah they were like oh there was this benevolent king and he kicked out all the undesirables like the dark elves and the orcs and the goblins and then he built walls around his city and then this other king came in and stole the throne and let all these people and blah, 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 blah. And he made the players cause an insurrection. And the players are like, what the hell? Like, this is not okay. Like, we did not 
want to bring politics like they knew each other's like general political beliefs but you can explore political ideologies yeah. we need to have a whole episode about bringing stuff dms mm-hmm. bringing things into the store or even players bringing mm-hmm. things into the story that don't belong like there was a an episode we heard where the dm had was basically just having the players act out his favorite uh anime Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like every session was like word for word, like the script of this anime show that they liked. Oh, but what they did didn't matter, or yeah. they could not do things that would yeah. matter. They so, didn't really yeah. have any agency. Yeah. He was just like puppeteering, like bringing things that don't belong in the game into the game is a huge problem. Um, and and I would say, and I think this is important because this is part of the game's history, but the uh, religious beliefs, because mm-hmm. number one, you know, parents in the 70s are like, oh, Dungeons and Dragons, it has devils and demons. This is a satanic <laughs> game or whatever. And it's like, no, you're mostly killing them. But also if you're, you know, players don't come in wanting to deal with judeo-christian or buddhist or or whatever or islam they they don't want to deal with that stuff they have their own like D has a pantheon or you can create a pantheon you're exploring that like you're exploring myths and legends in that world and so this is not a reflection of life so like players who have come to me and say hey, I'm uncomfortable with like devils and demons and that sort of thing. I'd be like, okay, that's not the story we're playing. So it just not gonna, you know. Yeah, there's like so many different creatures and characters that are in like the books, not even considering homebrews or things that you make up. Dragons, giants, trolls, you you know. Yeah, so, and even if another player has a backstory where like a, a devil did something or whatever i'm not gonna have this devil like just show up and harass the players and all this stuff but yeah religion politics fetishes um all that stuff just 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 leave it yeah leave it leave it at home (laughs) yeah and for for the dms out there i think rely on session zero to to identify out like it may seem like overkill especially if you're playing with friends you already know it might seem like overkill to say we're not doing this. We're not. Do-. You never know. You mm-hmm. never know. You know what's gonna happen. You never know who might join the game later on down the road. It's worth it to just mm-hmm. say what your guidelines and limitations are, and keeping an eye out for like these for people who are kind of like testing the boundaries. I guess pushing the boundaries mm-hmm. of the rules because I feel like. Again, if you let someone push the boundaries and you're not doing anything, then they feel compelled to like, okay, well, it's okay for me to bring in whatever bullcrap. Uh, shoot, I, I we didn't even talk about racism. <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> uh, which is ironic considering we, maybe, where maybe mixed, we'll maybe we'll have race. a race episode. At, at we we one sh- time. yeah, um, um, but we need to we need to wrap we up. we should we should have that uh, like racial beliefs political beliefs that kind of thing um maybe that could be be, we can we can let our patreon subscribers vote which of those topics they'd like to hear Mm -hmm. 
join our Patreon, yeah. we would really appreciate it, yeah. and we would like to deliver this additional content to you. Um, so that is patreon.com slash rollmates pod. pod. Rollmates pod, yeah. And you can find us where else? Um, on Twitter at rollmates pod and rollmates pod, rollmatespodcast.com. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I hope you learned something. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. See you then. Bye. Bye.